And do you ever reach out to him now that it's finally over? No. But I do check out what he's doing on social media. Hmm. Hey, this is Michelle Spivey, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So, hang in there with me as we continue getting ready for going into the holidays, and we get into talking about the secret to expert communication. I'll see you on the flip. Recently, I had an opportunity to talk with someone. I was actually at a car dealership, uh, but I was talking with uh, someone, a lovely uh, young uh, young guy, uh, who was lamenting that uh, the dating situation uh, now, and he was talking about voice notes and how he didn't like them. And he was very engaging with me. Uh, we we got we had great conversation, um, but he may not have known that I kind of took him through a process that I used to take for granted because uh, everybody either was formally taught how to do this or learned it by being forced to have to do it. But nowadays, when most of your interaction with someone that's not in a um, not in a business setting happens. It usually happens over the uh, the laptop or especially over the phone. And I've talked about this in another podcast about uh, <laughs> what it's like out here in these streets these days and how people who are dating are wanting to get more of a uh, the humanity back in it and moving towards not just texting, but moving towards voice notes. And he was lamenting voice notes. And after, you know, talking with him and, uh, and those types of things, I hopefully left him better than I found him by giving him some, uh, tips and tricks for, for communication. Now, yesterday, uh, we talked about uh, chit-chat and small talk. And the day before that, we talked about what's your natural stance when you're in a crowd of people. And today, we're continuing to move this forward so that hopefully uh, your interactions with people in person that are not there because they need to be, they're not getting a paycheck <laughs> and they have the option to leave or stay. I am hoping that these uh, little quick primers are going to help everyone have a little more wisdom when it comes to navigating to the treacherous terrain of social interaction in the, in the age of the digital interaction. So today's big secret of communication that a lot of people don't realize is the art of questioning. Now, today I'm going to cover uh, the types of questions and I'm going to cover some different types of things that you can use through a questioning process. I used to take this for granted. I used to think this was common knowledge and it might be. So if this is a review for you, great. You can just have it be a refresher and then go about your business. But if this is something that you're not necessarily familiar with, then pay attention because there will be ways to, uh, for you to use it that are going to help you. All right. So let's get into it. And the first thing I want to say is that if you master the these eight types of questions, now there are there are many more, but if you if you answer, I mean, master these eight types of question over your life, you will always become a very engaging person to talk with. 
People don't realize it, but a lot of times they really do enjoy being questioned. Um, In his famous book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, um, the great Dale Carnegie talked about a little bit of this process where he has been able to glean information from people by understanding how to take someone through a questioning process. And he starts with um, the, the traditional type of question that we all engage in, which is the closed question of the one word answer. Do you have a name? You know, or, or not do you have a name, but um, uh, how are you? You know, what I keep giving you guys, I'm sorry, y'all. I keep giving you guys the, the, the polar that moves into one, but you know, yes or no questions are, you know, uh, are openers like, uh, is the seat open? Yes. That's, that's, that would be an example. Sorry. I'm flubbing it on that one, y'all, but forgive me, but I promise you. We're going to get into it. So let me just go on and just give you the eight types. How about that? We give you the eight types, then we'll talk a little bit about them. And then I'm going to give you some different sequences that will hopefully help you. And if we have enough time, I'll talk about how to handle this if you recognize it's happening to you and you don't want to go into that. Okay, so the eight general types of questions, and like I said, this is not exhaustive, are going to be closed, open, probing, leading, loaded, funnel, and uh, recall and process, recall and process, okay? So let's dig into those real quick. A closed question is going to be one one that, like I said before, is a one-word answer. It's usually going to be used as a um, an icebreaker, a warm-up for groups, or to be able to just get quick answers. Like, um, did you remember to grab the ice? Yes, you know, a simple thing like that. And Then we move into open questions. Now, open questions are going to be the ones that once you have built a rapport with people, these are going to make up the majority of questions in casual conversation. And this little area is where a lot of people stumble because they don't understand how to uh, keep the open questions going. And I'm going to say this, that you do not necessarily need to keep open questions going, you need to mix it up with others. And so the open questions are going to be wider discussions with more elaboration. You're going to usually use these when you want to get more information um, out of someone about a particular subject or about them themselves. It does require some critical or creative uh, thinking for discussion, but it is our normal area where we settle in when we're in the midst of an established conversation, okay? So, and these are not in any particular order, but they kind of are. All right, so after that, we have probing questions, and those are where you want to just clarify some stuff or encourage people to tell you more so that you can gain or paint a better uh, picture of understanding. And usually what it is is these probing questions are going to be a series of them that dig deeper Um to get you to be able to paint this bigger picture, you know. So with being able to see the bigger picture, you are uh, able uh, to ingratiate yourself with someone or get to know them. And probing questions can also be used for the shy person or the person who's reluctant to speak uh, more 
are, you can use or, not are, or you can use probing questions to avoid any kind of misunderstandings. You know, we've talked a little bit about this type of question uh, yesterday when we use phrasings and um, I'll, I'll go over that. So like, for instance, for a probing question, you might want to say things like, so let me get this straight. Oh, or so do I understand this correctly? You don't have to use the word so, but you, you get what I mean, okay? All right, so after the probing questions, we've got leading questions and those leading questions. Now, these are the ones that you got to be really careful with because leading questions are normally going to come off as an interrogation. Um, well, actually, the leading questions and loaded questions. I'm going to talk about loaded questions next. But leading questions, they can come off as you being too nosy, uh, you being... Um, you crawl over uh, crossing boundaries. So be careful with leading and loading question, loaded questions. So a leading question is to be able to get uh, a certain kind of um, response, meaning that you're going to lead someone down a path or a route. And it can be a positive path or a negative path. And that is um, that the way you phrase the question. And like I said before, don't don't use these too often because they can sometimes be viewed as coercive or um, intrusive, okay? So they're usually going to be used outside of the social platform. Now, uh, there are times for them and I have had people say, yes, I definitely use them when I want to get something, you know, so let me, let me, let me just try to do this. When you're using a leading question, leading questions are going to oftentimes be used in a sales process to get a yes or a no, and they're going to be used to steer a conversation toward whatever your desired outcome is. And so a lot of times when people want something out of you, they're going to use leading questions. So an example would be, so say for instance, you want somebody to give you a yes. Uh, you can say things like, did you enjoy working on this project? Mm-hmm. And then, or say for instance, you want somebody to give you a no. Uh, you can say things like, did you have any problem with the project? Or if you're doing um, something socially, uh, a positive outcome would be, uh, so uh, did you enjoy the meal today? Um, a, a, a negative would be, um, uh, so a negative would be, um, did you, uh, um, not did you, but um, do you have uh, any more, uh, do, you, do you have, uh, not do you have any more, and I'm sorry, yeah, I'm stumbling because I'm trying to do this off the top of my head and I'm, I'm already thinking about loaded questions and trying not to do those. But a negative would be something where you might want somebody to say no and you would ask them a question that way. Okay, but let me go on and get into the negative questions because that's where my mind is. Okay. So with the negative questions, these questions, they can come off as looking like a one word closed question, you know, a yes or no question. But what they do is they do a little twist and they put in a little assumptive value to them. So what they do is you ask someone something and They can't just answer a yes or no. They have to go further because the way you posed it, you're already assuming something and thus you're begging for them. Not begging, but they're itching to clarify. All right. So a load of question. A lot of times be careful with these because just like a leading question where those can be intrusive and coercive, um, 
So can a loaded question be intrusive and coercive, but it can also uh, be viewed as hostile because uh, loaded questions are a lot of times used by journalists to trick somebody into giving them gossip or something, and even by lawyers to get someone to admit to something they wouldn't utter, you know, otherwise share. Uh, they can be used for discovering facts and information or even manipulating the receiver. So an example with, with that one would be... Um, have you stopped stealing the pens? <laughs> so have you stopped stealing the pens? Could be a yes or no, but it makes an assumption that you were stealing pens. So if the person catches what you're really asking, not only do they have to say no or yes, but they have to qualify by saying, well, I never stole pens, you know? So even though it it's masquerading as a closed question, it can be one that makes assumption to get people to open up. And yes, with leading and loaded questions, you can find ways to make them engaging. I will say that leading questions a lot of times are used by comics and people who are really good at social interaction on the subtlety level because they can use these two types of questions to lead people into a hilarious situation Um Leading questions are oftentimes employed when people want to tease someone, but still be careful with that teasing because not everybody likes it, even if everybody else is laughing. All right. So uh, let me move on to the last few. Uh, We have the funnel questions. Now, these funnel questions, what they do is we do them all the time. And right here, This particular type of question is the one that people don't usually grasp and understand as part of their repertoire of keeping a conversation going. And this right here is the part that I took for granted that everybody knew. You might know what a funnel question is, but you might not know when to use it, why to use it, or that it is an option. So remember I talked about the opening. We have the closed and the open questions. And a lot of times, once we get into a conversation, we keep asking these open questions and they just sound like, am I on a a job interview? And the thing is, is we run out of things to say, or it gets awkward, or it feels like we're only asking questions. We're not doing the talking. And so using a funnel question is going to help you greatly. So listen up, Chai, listen up. Okay, Uh, so with the funnel question, you've got two different ways you can do it. So imagine a funnel and it is very wide or broad at the top and then it narrows down to um, a, a narrow point. All right. So you can do it either where you start wide and go narrow or you can flip it and you can start narrow and go wide. All right. So with the narrow to wide, this is usually going to be when you're asking someone a question who's new or a stranger. Uh, Like I said before, a question you can use. And these funnel questions are are different types of the questions we've already talked about, including the one I'm going to talk about next. Uh, But you can use them in different ways. So, for instance, narrow to wide when talking with strangers. Narrow. Is this seat taken or may I sit here? Yes or no. Okay, so you got a closed question. And then you continue to uh, use a, a repertoire of questions. Like, for instance, a probing question. Uh, 
after is this seat open? A probing question. Uh, you offer something. Hi, my name is Michelle. And what's yours? That's a probing question to gain some, gain some clarity or encourage someone to tell you more. All right. So then, <clears throat> excuse me, you can have um, a positive interaction using a leading question. Say, for instance, you're in an airport, you're sitting next to the person, you've offered them your name. Then you can move into a leading question like, uh, did you ever think we'd be sitting here delayed on a holiday at the airport? Okay, you're expecting a negative, but it's an um, an icebreaker as well. No, I didn't. And then usually if the person is open to conversation, they will start to open up. No, I didn't. And I'm trying to travel to see my kids or or whatever. Or if they just say no, you can you can, you know, come back and be like, oh, yeah, me neither, but I'm glad I gave myself time. That way I can catch my breath. And then you lead into a, a nice conversation. And then once you've had that conversation, you then can have open questions. And these open questions, remember, they are wider discussion, more elaboration, more information. If, say, for instance, they uh, ask about, I mean, they talk about their kids, you can say, oh, how many kids do you have? Mm -hmm. You see there? And thus, this is a wider question. You've moved from, is this seat taken to how many kids do you have? And so we have moved from very narrow to very wide. So with the narrow, like I said, usually you can use it as a way to get to know a stranger. And so it starts with the closed and moves toward open questions. And an example, like I said before, is the seat taken? And you end up with, how many kids do you have? Where do they live? Oh, and they're pulling out the ki- the pictures of them or the grandbabies or whatever it is, okay? So on the flip side, you can use a wide to narrow. And a wide to narrow is usually going to be when you're trying to get to a specific answer. So if you are talking to someone, it can be a stranger or someone else, and you're talking to someone and you want to gain a favor from them or gather information, what you're going to do is more so use a wide to narrow approach. So say for instance, <laughs> you are talking to and do not use this, you know, guys for bad. Um, say for instance, you want to uh, get to a specific answer in your favor. All right. So say for instance, something has happened and you have to talk to customer service and you need them to tell you a, um, you need to get them on your side. All right. One of the open questions you can start with um, after, of course, they've given you their name, control number, whatever it is you're talking about. You can ask them, you, you can say things or ask them things like, yes, I have such a big problem and I know it's my fault, but let me ask you, you've worked there. What if you were in my situation, what would you do? You see, that's a open question that you're 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 open you're leading with the open question and they're like well and they'll probably you know give you the 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 standard uh company um line of uh, the policies and whatever it is and all of that and then you can start narrowing it down so after you've done that you can uh start to ask for uh things like um is there someone in, in your organization, or is there a particular part of your organization that I could talk to 
that have uh, special dispensations, and they can either say yes or no. Uh, do you have a name for the person I need or a contact number? So you see how you have gone from wide down to getting someone's name or phone number to get what you want. And I'm going to tell you with the wide to narrow this, a lot of times, as you can probably already guess, is going to be used uh, when questioning witnesses, uh, when investigating something, or when, like I said before, trying to get a specific answer uh, based on whatever you want the outcome to be. And so it's used when building relationships, but it's also used when discovering very specific information and even diffusing arguments. Think about your mom or your mother or father, and everybody is going on. And what is the first thing you ask them? What happened? That is a why question. And you work down to who did it? I want a name. And so that's another way to be able to use that. But I'm going to tell you, when you start to master funneling questions and you know when is the best time to use them, depending on if you're going to go from narrow to wide, wide to narrow, it's going to help you to become a master at good communication because what it's going to do is it's going to take away the feel of just peppering them with an open question after an open question after an open question. And then the the next type or the last one I want to talk to uh, you about today, is called the recall and preset, a precess, or process question. And for my Canadian speakers, process. <laughs> so the recall and process questions. Now, with recall, those require that you remember a fact. And for the process question, it requires that you process the question to answer it. So recall would be something like, where did you put the keys? And so you have to recall what you did. Or what's two times two? And you recall there's usually going to be something where you already know it. You just have to go back in there in, you know, in the in the closet of your mind and pull it out. Whereas with your process, that's going to require a person to form an answer out of either an opinion and or some type of critical thinking process. So um that might be something like why are you the right person for the position that is going to, like I said, give, cause them to go through a critical understanding of their skills and then give their opinion? And it will take a little time. And as you might suspect, recall and process questions can oftentimes be what good interviewers use. You can, of course, put them in the mix of your open questions once you've established a good rapport with someone. Definitely use them in your funnel process of getting down to or going out to, uh, depending on what you want for that. And so those are going to be some great ways to do it. And so now you're, I hope you're starting to see just by understanding these different types of questions, how you can become a great conversationalist. Now, I told you I was going to give you some different sequences and, and those types of things to keep you engaged and, and, and having a great time. So here is a quick process that is, I think, very um, easy and a, a great way to build rapport with someone and have them engage in a conversation if you want to do that. Now, this is a process that's deeper than shallow uh, chit-chat or pleasantries like we discussed yesterday. 
So you, we're going, I'm going to show you how to get from an, um, a, a closed question or a funnel. So it's basically going to be a question funnel. All right. So the first thing, of course, is we're going to use some type of um, question based on the funnel. So if you are going up to a stranger and your objective is to carry on a conversation, we're going to use a wide to narrow uh, um no, I'm sorry. We're going to use a narrow to wide approach. Apologize. All right. The first thing is use some type of closed question where you can get a quick answer. How are you? Or uh, is this seat taken? Or uh, may I sit next to you? You know, simple one answer or one phrase kind of kind of things. The next thing you want to do is once you determine if you want to, you know, keep this going, you're going to do things like start to mirror. Now, people don't really understand what they're doing, but they naturally do this stuff. To build rapport in a conversation, this is one of the great secrets that people don't understand. Once you ask a question, don't necessarily follow up with another question. Mirror what the other person is giving you. If the other person answers your question and then lobs into information, you can't follow up with your next question or it looks comes off as insincere and looks like an interview. I have an acquaintance that I've known for many years. And right after the introductory, he just, he does not, he does not subscribe to the funnel process at all. But I get a chance to just go with the flow. We can move quickly from how are you today to he will, no joke, start in the middle of a thought telling me something very deep and very secretive about his opinion on something because he comes off as very quiet. But over the years, um, he has entrusted me with information. And because, you know, the therapist kind of thing, I, I tend to keep my mouth shut. And so if his, you know, life is going crazy and I do, and I will say this, I know both him and his significant other, and they both do the same. <laughs> so it's okay. It's it's really okay. Um, because they know I don't cross the streams and I don't talk about each other to them, you know, share their information. But anyway, I go, I, 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 let me digress. So he totally blows away the whole funnel process because after his, how you doing transitions? Oh no, he's just going to go straight for something like, and I was telling blah, 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 his, his significant other that we need to do this, 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 and that, you know, talking about their child or who's an adult, by the way. And, you know, and I'm like, okay, so what I do is I mirror. And, and when I say I mirror, I don't have something comparable. And most people think when you mirror, you have to come up with something comparable. No, all you have to do to mirror is to get into that vein. And so he doesn't want to ask, he doesn't want me talking then. He wants to talk. And so to mirror him, to give his uh, give him the uh, complimentary uh, opposition, I, I get quiet and I let him talk. And once he gets through talking or if he, if he is talking and he is using information um, that I need clarity on, 
then I can ask a clarifying question. Well, okay, wait a minute. Who is this? Are we still talking about the same person? Because a lot of times we're talking about he and his significant others, very large families, and I am expected to keep this in knowledge so that I can have an uh, intelligent conversation. But I'm still able to use those types of things. So that's going to be an outlier where you have somebody who uh, they just move from zero to 100 uh, because maybe your rapport is so well and and thus you can't be stuck on a script. All right. So the, the, the sequence is introductory and then mirror. Then you want to use transition questions. And those transition questions are going to uh, move people into either your recall and process, your uh, loaded question, your leading question, a probing question. I'm going to tell you, probably transition probing is going to be the best thing. So for instance, think about these phrases. Great transitional phrases to advance the conversation are going to be things like, by the way, and then you can ask a probing question. By the way, how is your daughter doing? You see what I'm saying? And if, for instance, you want to change the subject, and this is a big one, you guys, this is the phrase that you can use. When appropriate, you can put in, and this leads me to XXXXX. You know, you can ask a question or you can supply something to gently shift the conversation. Now, do not use the phrase. And as I was saying before you went off on that tangent, <laughs> because that has happened, you definitely want to avoid that. Okay, please don't do that, y'all. But understand that using a lot of different questions will help you qualify what the person wants, what they need, how to best engage with them. It'll also let you know whether this person wants to stay on a surface level or if they want to go deeper. And it's okay to go deeper because once you get past the introduction, you cannot just live in the land of open questions where you just keep asking them to expound and keep asking them more and more questions if that's not what they want. Because there's a difference between a conversation and inter- and, and an interrogation. So we kind of want to make sure that we understand when we are in the danger area of turning this into an interrogation. And one of the biggest things you can do is learn good transitional phrases. Now, I'm going to go back a little bit to what we discussed yesterday because there's some great transitional phrases that you can use uh, to continue to keep the conversation going. And one of them is what we talked about yesterday. What do you know about and you can use a topic or, or how, what's your take on? This is another good prepositional phrase. Prep, Lord, y'all, forgive me. <laughs> Not prepositional, transitional phrase. Prepositional phrase, Lord. Okay. Can y'all tell I'm trying to finish up a book? Okay. So what do you know about such and thus? Or what's your take on? 
When you ask that, that is an open question that's almost magic to the listener's ears if it's in their wheelhouse. And you can use these questions at the beginning or even if you're using a funnel. So if you're using a narrow to wide funnel, that's what we normally go to for having an engaging conversation with a stranger that you're interested in. What do you know about XYZ or what is your take on XYZ is an open question that gets you into a subject area where they are going to feel free to share. It's usually going to be something that stays away from the provocative areas unless it's established that it's okay to talk about that. The provocative areas are going to be sex, religion, and politics and possibly gossip. Okay. And then as you are continuing, say for instance, you want to continue talking about that. Again, another open question that's a good transition into a deeper level is going to be, instead of what do you know or what's your take on, which keeps people in their logical mind, you can then move them down to the emotional level where you ask things about things like, and how do you feel about that? When you start to use the words feel, you are subconsciously triggering the emotions to take someone into a deeper space. If you do not want to go into a deeper space, don't talk about feelings. Don't ask people, how does that make you feel? Don't ask people things like, well, are you sad? Are you happy? Anything dealing with emotions is going to take people lower because what you're doing is is you're not necessarily asking them to identify the emotion you're asking them that if they can't identify the emotion but more so you're asking them to explore their attitudes and behaviors and when you get into attitudes and behaviors this is where the expert conversationalist and great communicator is able to wreck up some stuff Oh, yes, because you can also use things like and remember, uh, we're, we're talking about a little sequence. So after our introduction, after we continue to uh, mirror and transition, we can do follow up questions and clarifying questions uh, that are going to be the leapfrog to get us getting us into those deep questions. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and so you can do things like. Uh, having uh, the person continue to engage with you um, in the open questions, but you can also start to move into the probing questions, the process questions, because um, a process question is going to be, how do you feel about that? Or how does that make you feel? When you start getting into the emotions, you do start getting into the process. If you want to bring it back up higher, you can move to recall and things like, do you remember when? Because the word, do you remember? I mean, the phrase, do you remember? Leads people to recall. And remember, recall is usually going to be where they have to just access something that they already know. But when you ask them questions about how do you feel or even what is your take on, you do plunge them into the process of the question where they have to do a bit of critical thinking and then form an opinion and then give it to you. And another thing I want to say before we close this out 
is if you are getting into the deeper questions and you are using questions uh, of clarity or a lot of people don't realize it, but they are natural born good listeners and they take time. That's the thing that I'm going to tell you as well. In all of this getting of the ways to identify and use these different types of questions, do not forget to employ good timing of processing, of having a few beats before answering. Even if you already know what you want to say, intermingle your amount of time that it takes to respond because you will come off as thoughtful. You will come off as kind, humble. You will come off as, get this, by slowing down and not always coming immediately back. You will come off as caring and empathetic. And then the next thing is, is your tone, your body language, and your uh, context. And when we talk about context, this is one that a lot of people miss as one of the greats of excellent communication. Context, knowing when something is appropriate and what situation you're in. By using these types of questions that I've shown you, and I know we've talked a lot about questions today, but trust me, this is the shortest path to getting you up to speed so that you can be a great conversationalist and you can either have a good conversation or you can recognize what's happening and uh, choose how to engage accordingly. But with this, context is really big. Uh, If a person wants to keep things light based on the kinds of conversation, questions, phrases, words that you use, because you already know this stuff from yesterday and now we're just building on it today, you'll know contextually where the conversation is going or staying. Oh, yes. And it might be that you want to go deep and they don't. You'll have these phrases to get you back up to a level where it works. You'll have um, the understanding of tone as well. Uh, We talked about yesterday, two words, oh, and really, that you can use to wreck up some stuff. Oh, yes. Um, When you want to slow down the, the process or you want to change up, oh, and really can be big transitions as well. So the word really is very powerful because when mixed with the appropriate tone, you can infuse self-doubt or you can infuse, are you ready for this? Excitement. So let's 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 take a quick little example and I've got to hurry up because my time is, is, is dwindling down, y'all. So someone says something and you want to question it, meaning that you want them to get off that subject or you want them to prove that they have a right to talk about this or whatever. You know, say for instance, someone says, such and such person is the greatest uh, quarterback to ever live. And you say, really? What does that immediately elicit out of them that they need to prove it? Okay. Or what about this? So-and-so is the greatest uh, person, you know, um, quarterback to ever live. And you want to get them pumped. Oh, really? What does that immediately do? It causes them, yeah, and they go on. Or what if you want to change the conversation? So-and-so is the greatest quarterback to ever live. (laughs) Really? Okay. And then they're like, what? 
you've taken out a lot of fire out of them by just simply changing your tone and using these words, really and oh. And I have seen people use really and oh and have an entire conversation and have somebody hopping around like a little puppet because they control the conversation with oh and really. Okay, so those are some very powerful words. They work like magic. Please use them uh, responsibly. But I want to make sure that you get this wisdom on how to understand. And uh, last but not least, once you have done the introduction, you've mirrored, you've used transition questions, maybe a few follow-ups for clarity, and you've dug deep and you're ready to come out and finish it, like we said yesterday. Uh, there are things that you can use, uh, phrases, excuse me, that you can use uh, to uh, end a conversation. And you can do that by having a summary. Summary would be things like, okay, so if I understand this correctly, you're saying so-and-so, so-and-so. And that will give them uh, a clarif- clarifier as well as signal to them that we're moving on or that this conversation is coming to a close. You guys, please do not, and I repeat, do not fall back on the lazy forms or the uninspired or um, the novice forms of closing a conversation after it's gone very deep. You know, that would be like, and a shout out to the comedian who did this, who said that once he gets through with having sexual relations, he says, well, <laughs> that Having words like, well, or well, you know, and people do it all the time. They don't realize it, but that is kind of like saying, well, you know, you just got through laying out your entire life of how this guy hurt you. And if someone comes back and says, you know, well, you just got to move on. You're going to kind of feel hurt. But if you do the same thing, um, you, you want to close the conversation down, you say, uh, so let me get this straight. You guys are no longer together. You have uh, moved on and all of that. You get them, you know, the yes or no. And then you're able to now, because that's a transition clarifier, you're able to say, well, I'm glad everything worked out. And uh, thank you so much for sharing. I need to go. And remember yesterday we talked about going to restrooms and things like that. So there's a lot of stuff (laughs) that you can do to... uh, have a strong close for a uh, conversation. And uh, one of the simplest ways to do it is to use a summary. And that summary is a transition to help you close it down. All right. So you guys, I hope that you're able to use this. It might take a little practice today, um, tomorrow maybe. And when in doubt, smile, nod, and, uh, you know, just, 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 (laughs) Be kind. That's what I can say. Um, don't forget uh, that you have everything that you need. You've been using these questions all your life, and it's going to come easier when you know what you're able to do. Uh, and so hopefully this will help you. So I know I'm rambling. Let me get off of here because my time is really up, y'all. All right. So guess what? My time is up. This is Michelle Spiva, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. I do want you to go out there and you employ the secrets of expert communication. And thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you so much. Mwah. 
Don't forget to like, share, comment, send me comments, check the show notes for books mentioned. And thank you for supporting this podcast in the various ways that we're uh, able to check the show notes for more. And when you do your Amazon shopping, please consider us by using our link at michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. Um, we may receive a commission if you use our link. Uh, it won't cost you anything else. And that will go towards helping us to continue uh, the show. And until then, y'all have a wonderful rest of your day, even though tomorrow is an official holiday. If you're listening to this in time uh, at the point of recording, I am going to have a quick one for you tomorrow. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We keep going. So until tomorrow. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.